Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. How have your first few days been here? Uh frenetic yeah. um no, good good really productive you know it's great to, to actually kind of get uh get away from boston a little bit and uh, spend some time with you know our senior leadership group uh you know and then obviously uh, all of the others who who are here um you know it's uh it's it's been good uh you know excited um because i feel like now that a lot of the logistics and formalities are through we can we can get to work yeah. How, how is that process of getting to know, I mean, you mentioned that you have pre-existing relationships with some of the people mm-hmm. in the front office at the same time, there are like 200 people in the front office, so uh, yeah, how is that process? Yeah, the, of uh, the, the, the beauty of Zoom calls and uh, you know video conferencing has been really helpful, uh, equ- equally helpful have, have been the group of people who have been here for a long time and have eased the transition. I'm not sure uh, how one does it without so many, you know, kind of trusted people in, inside of a senior leadership circle. So given that, like, are you, do you, are you most, you know, is, is, how do you approach that priority of getting to know everyone versus, you know, functional things like, okay, let's get a pitching coach and let's get a third base coach. Yeah, constantly trying to balance those things out to lean on other people and just kind of recognize the opportunity cost of waiting on some of those. My hope is, uh, you, you know, people within the organization will not view the delay in getting to them uh, as you know, kind of representative of how much I, I care and intend to invest in them. It's just that, you know, everyday staffs are getting rounded out and conversations are, are taking place that we don't want to uh, to fall behind on. In terms of the pitching coach, you know, obviously that's an area, you know, uh, you, you care deeply about pitching and, uh, and the philosophies that would underlie that. Uh, where are you guys at in terms of that process? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we recognize uh, the value of kicking that process off, of trying to reach a decision. We don't want to short circuit a really robust process. Um, but we've, you know, fortunately, uh, a lot of the people who have, were here kind of through this transition have teed up a bunch of really quality candidates, uh, and we're kind of starting to go through that process and talk to them now. How many uh, teams and agents have you already met with since you've been here? Uh, a, a good amount. You know, as I talked about um, last week, wanting to kind of cast as wide a net as possible in terms of, you know, kind of adding to the team. Um, you know, and, and at, at this point, uh, you know, I think there's only benefit to having conversations. How do you go about getting a handle on how quickly the market's going to move, whether it's trades or free agents? Yeah, uh, I think it's a lot of communication. It's leaning on, uh, you know, the number of people that, that we have here who, who are having those conversations and recognizing that they're ongoing. Um, you know, but, but often kind of what it, what it takes is the first domino to fall. I mean, obviously you guys are looking for pitching. A lot of teams are looking for pitching. How much is it sort of um, on you guys to sort of recognize, like, hey, this is starting to go. We need to, you know, we need to be aggressive there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it falls almost exclusively on us to, to recognize that, um, you know, we, we shouldn't uh, miss out on opportunities because we don't have, you know, kind of internally our information uh, squared away or we haven't been able to work through our own priorities. Do you feel like you're, you're at a point where you've done a lot of your research <laughs> for different players or uh, is it still ongoing? No, I think I've, I've done as much as one can do in, in about a week on the job, yeah. um, but, you know, we, there's... Uh, there's a, uh, a big group of people supporting, uh, you know, kind of key decision makers. Do you have the, a target on, on how many starting pitchers you'd like to acquire? No, um, you know, I think we, we need to be open-minded. Uh, you know, like I said last week, uh, starting pitching is, is certainly a priority for us, but to, you know, kind of try and forecast exactly, a, you know, a, a number or, or anything kind of more um, specific than that probably doesn't make sense. When you talk about starting pitching, um, you know, there's a lot of high-end, you know, free agent starting pitchers. What's the most important qualities to look for? Durability? What do you kind of, like, want out of a starting pitcher? And what do you look for when you, you know, take out the top ten, you know, starting pitchers that are on the market? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds uh, simple, but we're, we're looking to kind of uphold uh, that, that standard of quality and consistency that, that I talked about. So durability is, is part of that, but we don't want durability uh, kind of on its face. We want consistency of, of a really, really high level of performance that's also durable and, uh, you know, can provide bulk. Um, as, as we all know, uh, there are likely 29 other teams who are searching for that as well. How do you, uh, you just the upgrading the defense? You know, I think there's a, a lot of ways to do that. I think, uh, you know, getting guys healthy, um, you know, having kind of a spring training with some stability and consistency to, to the work. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, identifying some of the opportunities for internal players to grow. I think it's canvassing the market to figure out if there are meaningful upgrades available. Uh, and then I also think, you know, one thing that we've, we've started to do is, is look internally about ways that we can push the staff to, to continue to push our players, right? There's opportunities to, to get better all the way around, and I don't think we should leave any of those, uh, you know, kind of for, to chance. I think, yeah, um, Alex has mentioned that as well with just mm -hmm. kind of um, some meetings, even prior to you being hired, of kind of looking at different ways the coaching staff can improve. What specifically can those guys do, or what is it? Yeah, what, what goes into sort of improving the I think, uh, well, well, one thing is there's a host of information available about every one of our players. And, you know, I think for a while, information available on pitching, kind of outpaced hitting, which outpaced defense and base running. But now we're getting a pretty 
complete picture of, of players so we can recognize, you know, is this a technique driven uh, kind of deficiency? Is it, uh, is it range? Is it first step quickness? Is it prep work? And uh, we can really target the work that, that we're doing on like the development side and, and also just be, uh, be a, you know, kind of accepting of the fact that development needs to continue at the big league level. Yesterday was a qualifying offer day. You didn't give any, but there were some given to some free agents who you might have some interest in. Uh, how big a disincentive is compensation attached to a free agent in your mind, given where the organization is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a consideration like the host of other variables that you need to consider when you make a decision around uh, around these players. So I think we need to look at the, the totality of the situation in order to figure out, you know, how much of uh, how much of a um, you know consequence it is for one over another. Is it a little easier to imagine giving up a pick, given the amount of inventory that's sort of been built up in recent years, whereas maybe a few years ago when the focus was more on building up that inventory, that would have been a harder commitment? Uh, you know, difficult for me to kind of speak to uh, how, how things have gone historically. You know, what I can say is we, you know, we are looking at ways to improve the team in 2024 and beyond, um, you know, and if that kind of moves us in, in a direction where we're evaluating the QO against, uh, you know, certain certain players, then obviously we're prepared to do that. How comfortable are you guys with, with Connor Wilde? Very comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think we, we feel good about, you know, kind of the catching situation. Um, you know, that's not to say that we should be close-minded about opportunities to improve the team, but, you know, I think uh, I think we're all really, really happy with them. Part of identifying free agents is selling the free agents on Boston. And, you know, with the way that things have gone, the standings and the other teams sort of rising, you have to maybe sell a little different than when even when you play. Do you got a good handle on how you want to? Like approach these these free agents that you want to target. Um, y you know, I think the kind of the term "sell" right carries this like uh, disingenuous or almost like deceitful, uh, you know, connotation. In that, like, I think we need to be honest, right? We need to be honest about what it's like to play for the Boston Red Sox, what it's like to win in front of some of the most passionate fans uh, in in the entire industry, um, and also about where we are, the steps forward that we're, uh, you know, that we're intending to make. Um, and I think. You know, players are drawn to uh, to different organizations for different reasons. Um, as as a player in Boston, like I can absolutely endorse how great it is to be on a on a winning team there. I did not mean to insinuate. That. <laughs> <laughs> Second base is probably your most undefined position if you were to look around the diamond. How do you view what you have on hand and what? Mm -hmm other things you might want to do this winter yeah so i think you know we're we're kind of comfortable with the floor we currently have you know we could we could attack that in a number of different ways we've got some right-handed depth some left-handed depth um but also like everywhere else are going to be open-minded about the, the possibilities of meaningfully upgrading that position um and it is no secret that we weren't good enough on the defensive side of the ball um so we we need to uh you know i think we need to continue to look at, at ways to raise the floor there how good a handle do you feel like you have on the farm system like as you you're going to be confronted with trade possibilities and how do you wrap your hands around that yeah so i've been trying to get up to speed uh you know as kind of a, an outside observer for some time i was aware of you know the more premium prospects but maybe not as uh, uh keyed into some of the more nuanced um performers fortunately there's uh there's a great you know pd leadership group here that i can lean on um and, and kind of 
think about those conversations, conversations that those guys have had with, uh, you know, with our, our field staff, um, you know, with the analytics department and, and try to get as comfortable as I possibly can. But like, uh, admittedly, I'm not in a position to make a, a decision unilaterally at this point. So how do you, you know, so let's say that you get to a point of advanced, you know, mm -hmm. trade discussions now, like, are you, you know, do you essentially delegate uh, kind of evaluation of the, uh, on the prospect side? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's helpful to get multiple perspectives anytime you're trying to evaluate, especially trying to evaluate players who are further away from the big leagues because, you know, that performance um, requires uh, more projection. Um, and so, you know, I think there are some people, fortunately, in the organization who have been around these critical decisions for a really long time. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that delegate would be the right word, but absolutely collaborate. How much, how aggressive do you think you will, you know, do you expect to be in, in trading this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to pursue every avenue. Uh, you know, it, it takes more than just our willingness to trade uh, in order to, to, to pull that off. Um, but I think that's part of the reason we have as many conversations as we have right now. Do you, uh, do you have a sort of best case scenario timetable for filling out your coaching staff with the two vacancies? And can we assume that there will be no more changes to the current coaching staff beyond the two vacancies you have? So I think, uh, you know, off-season days are, are precious, um, just given how productive they can be in terms of development uh, for our players. So, you know, every day that our pitching staff doesn't have a pitching coach, in my mind, is, is a bit of a lost opportunity. Um, you know, so I do think that it's important to prioritize uh, filling those vacancies. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm learning more and more about our staff every single day. Uh, I feel good about where we are, um, but, you know, I don't think it would be fair to uh, to say with absolute certainty anything other than you know we need to continue to evaluate those things. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to, to comment on specific players. I can say that I've, I've absolutely, you know, kind of in, engaged uh, our, our scouts, our evaluators, um, you know, kind of across the board to get as clear a picture of uh, the free agent landscape as I possibly can. Have you had anybody, uh, have you added anybody to your staff? Uh, I have not. Okay. And has anyone left the organization? No. Okay. And in the two weeks you've had the job, any interesting phone calls from former teammates or anybody <laughs> in particular that's... Uh, uh, I've been, um, yeah, I, I, I have gotten a ton of congratulatory texts, calls, uh, emails from a bunch of people, including former teammates. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know that one stands out above and, and beyond all else, but certainly teammates uh, from my time here, especially the, the 2013 team, which was uh, certainly incredibly memorable for, for me and, and the city. Um, you know, and I, my, my hope is that uh, given those relationships, people are, are you know, going to continue to be invested in, in the team or to the extent that maybe some of those players hadn't been following us closely, we can kind of get them back involved. You mentioned a right-handed bat at the introductory press, press conference. Like you know, potential add that. Is that specifically outfield? Do you look at that? Uh, no, I mean, I think positional versatility helps. I don't think it makes uh, a, a ton of sense to kind of typecast that to a right-handed bat who can, you know, only DH. Um, 
but again, you know, I think we have to be open-minded about the ways to improve the team. Um, you know, and, and given that we're pretty left-handed, uh, I think it makes sense to set our sights on someone who, who can hit right-handed. As far as the, the DH is concerned, uh, the trend throughout the game in recent years has been to rotate multiple people through there to give the manager an opportunity to get some guys off their feet. Um, do you have a philosophical idea about, no, I'd rather have a guy that can hit 30 bombs and knock in 100, or I'd, I'd prefer to have the versatility of running different guys through there? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, on a high level, you know, we, we probably look to give Alex as much flexibility as, as possible, recognizing that there are, you know, it's a long season and there will be times where he's going to want to get guys off their feet but keep their bats in the lineup. And uh, I don't think there's one way to, to do it. Now, obviously, I played with uh, a, a guy who manned the DH spot for quite some time and was pretty successful doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think short, short of that, uh, you know, having uh, as, as many kind of creative possibilities um, as we can arrange is what makes sense. So is it like 84 wing team well, you know, I think when you when you look to put a roster together, you want one that can compete for you know, a divisional championship, given that that's uh, kind of the surefire way to, to get into the postseason. And then once you can get into the postseason, anything goes. And, and you know, kind of the, the quality of, of play that you have at the time that you enter the postseason, um, you know, kind of tends to, uh, to, to direct how far you go. But I think you're exactly right in terms of like creating a team that compete for, can compete for the postseason. Um, you know, I think we want to continue to, to move the ball forward um, and we'll do that looking you know kind of externally but but like we just talked about earlier also uh you know raising the bar internally in terms of you know the the accountability to which we hold ourselves our coaches our players uh and i think when you put all those things together we've got a chance to you know to be to be more competitive you you were a visitor at the winter meetings (laughs) so you see everyone standing around how much better is it not having to stand around and actually doing things. I don't know. I was going to say living in anonymity for a few of those winter meetings uh, wasn't such a such a bad thing. But no, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, you, you know, like I said, there's there's work to there's work to do. I feel like this is kind of, the you know, a, a milestone date right in terms of like being able to kick those things off and, uh, you know, get a chance to interact with other team lead uh, executives, with a, with agents, um, you know, with our, our own staff. So it's a lot more exciting to be on, on this side of things. <laughs> you worked in the player development side with the Cubs, obviously. You probably have some attachment to some of those pitching prospects that you were progressing through the system. Here, you don't have that same attachment to some of the minor leaguers. Does that make it either easier or more likely that you might be willing to engage in trade talks because you don't have that connection, you didn't draft and sign them, you weren't overseeing their development the last few years? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I think it can cut both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I you're right. I don't have you know kind of the emotional attachment to having been part of the decision to, to draft the guys or to acquire them. Um, with that though comes the possibility that like I'm not seeing the the total picture though, uh, and you know like like we talked about earlier, the further away these guys are from the big leagues, the harder it is to project future performance. And so that's why we'll lean on others who do who do know these players uh, far more intimately than I do. How many players have you talked to on your team? Uh, I, I'm working through most of them. Um, you know, 
whether it's uh, phone calls, texts, etc. Um, I've gotten to most. Um, I will continue to reach reach out. And uh, like I said, you know, I, I hope what comes across is the inability to kind of sit down and just get through every single one of them in in one sitting is not at all reflective of how I think about them and and, and how much we care about our players. Any face-to-face meetings either with uh, players past or present with the Red Sox uh, while you're out here? Uh, I have not while here uh, off, off the top of off the top of my mind. Care to say anyone who you have met with uh, in person since you know if you're not if not here? Oh uh, no that was not uh, okay. that, that was not intended to be leading uh, in, in any way. No I was just kind of it's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind over the last week I'm not sure who I have and haven't seen so. <laughs> Other than introducing yourself mm-hmm. um, what's the general message you are conveying to guys on the major league roster. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's that, you know, my hope is I can bring, um, you know, kind of the player's perspective and and empathy to this role, uh, that I can appreciate how difficult and challenging it can be at times to to play in Boston, but also how unbelievably gratifying and rewarding it can be to to win in Boston. Um, And at this point, I'm very interested in, you know, any suggestions, feedbacks, recommendations that they can make uh, in terms of resources that they need, support that they need, uh, upgrades that they need, um, you know, I, I want to listen. Uh, that's what I would have wanted as a player, so that's what I'm trying to take to this role. Do you want to add some, like, like an advisor from your team? Uh, some experts or... Um, you know, um, I, I'm not sure is kind of the short answer. Uh, you know, obviously the, the GM position is, is open here. Um, you know, I think over time I'll get a better sense for uh, who, who can kind of best complement me in our group, and I, I just simply don't know that yet. How many hours of sleep have you been getting in there? <laughs> uh, I think it's like four-ish. <laughs> Seems like enough. Yeah. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.